0: We are back with part two of The Great Concavities Best of 2020, and we're excited to be joined by Chris Ayers. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. Great to have you. Thanks for
1: having me back. I think this is my third time.
0: I think you're right. I think you were episode five, if I'm not mistaken, and then episode 17.2. You got to give me prime numbers, which (laughs) I (laughs) hate. But Thanks. (laughs) Longtime friend and uh, recurring guest on the show, Uh, Chris Ayers. You're probably very familiar with his uh, visual work. He is the great mind behind Poor York Entertainment and Chris Ayers Creative, which is his uh, solo design company, Um, animation, visual, graphic. What else else do you do, Chris?
1: Uh, That's a lot of it, some illustration. I basically like jack-of-all-trades type, which makes it kind of hard to market yourself. But yeah, I I, I, don't, I get bored <laughs> doing one thing repeatedly, so I
0: try to branch out. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And speaking of that, you have um, branched out into becoming uh, a denizen of a new country since the last time uh, we spoke to you, uh, finding yourself actually very quite close to me these days. Where are you at right now?
1: Uh, we're in North Vancouver, so in the same province as you, but yet so far away.
0: One of us, <laughs> yeah. one of us. <laughs> it's,
1: it's a little... Disorienting to be on the other side of the concavity. Gonna have
0: to get used to that. Yes, your con- your convexity I right know, yeah. my friend. I'm proud and, to uh, say. We welcome you to the team.
2: I have never been to Canada, I'm proud to say. Yeah,
0: we gotta change that. Okay, so when nope. when twenty twenty and the pandemic's over, we gotta get you up here to visit Chris and I and and Tim Person. I've heard a, only a good little Wallace Enclave happening in Victoria. Jeff so.
2: Seavers too, right? Um
0: He's in Vancouver, but uh, he, we can get him over here for, uh, for a weekend, I'm sure. I've
2: only heard bad things about Canada, so I'm out. Count me out. <laughs> um.
0: Well, I'm sure we'll get to this mm. because Chris is our, our, our screen specialist in terms of uh, television and movies is what we're going to be talking about with Chris, uh, best of the year. Uh, if you watch The Handmaid's Tale season, was it three or four this year? That, I swear... Is basically just just PR for for the country of Canada being amazing like there is one episode where people are getting like uh you know they're coming to Canada as like a safe haven and and there's this huge Canadian flag in the in the airport hangar and it's like you just it's ridiculous I I felt
1: like a refugee I don't think the border guards saw it that way but I was able to immigrate because I'm married to a Canadian (laughs) But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I haven't watched Handmaid's Tale season two or three, though. I just watched the first one. Okay,
2: yeah. Sweet. So welcome to Canada, Chris, and welcome back onto The Great Concavity. Um yeah, Year-end, obviously, uh, 2020 has been a one big, long shit show. Um, <laughs> before we get into your year-end list of uh, best... Movies, TV shows, comic books. I'd be curious to hear if you have any of those. Um, mm, yeah. Um, you know, just overall, do you have any words of uh, you'd like to share about the year?
1: Wow. Haven't That's Personal a big thing to hit me with low lights. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's for me personally, the move is, has gave me something to look forward to. So I feel like I had that light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. but also it's like been the most trying probably six months of my life. Cause it's taken that long to sell the house and renovate oh. the house. Uh, do immigration and, you know, sell everything that I couldn't take. So the second half of this year has just been um, like every second of the year, I had something to do. I could barely relax. So it's only Mm -hmm. been the last couple of days. No doubt. I've been been stuck in this, uh, this quarantine where I have really can't do anything. So I've been able to sort of relax, but um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy year for me. And as far as like reading stuff, man, I just read um, comfort stuff like rereading Stephen King and some old star Wars books from a teenager Like, I haven't even tried to challenge myself. (laughs) I shouldn't have the brain space for it.
0: Yeah. I've had, I've heard some friends say that this year has been like a really lame year for reading for them because like, it's just really hard psychologically to focus, to sit in silence and and just focus on words on a page, which I think is so legitimate this year. Like there's a lot of brain space being taken up by anxiety and things, Yeah.
1: My routine almost every day was to like go out to lunch somewhere and just sit in the cafe and read by myself. That's my favorite thing. Like that hour a day that I have to myself. Mm-hmm. And I kind of need that distraction of all the, the din of the, the noise to, to let me mm-hmm. focus. And it's really hard to read at home.
0: Yep. Okay, cool. Well, congrats on successfully crossing the border. You're one of us. Um, let's talk. Do you want to talk about TV or movies first, Chris?
1: Um, I definitely watched more TV this year. And in any other year, I wouldn't be the guy you would talk to about TV. It was not really my thing. But <laughs> sometime in, like, December of 2019, I actually said out loud, I wish I had more time to catch up on all these TV shows. And it's been, like, one mm-hmm. hell of a monkey's paw
0: wish that I got. Um, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no
2: kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah. So one of the reasons I asked you on for this, uh, Matt, and I thought of you, is you posted a, a very extensive list of your favorite tv uh ranked by distribution so amazon prime apple tv etc uh you posted this on facebook last month there's probably what 40 40 titles i would say 30 40 uh, titles of shows that you watched this year i
1: didn't even count because i was kind of like too embarrassed to, to have watched that much television in a year it's, i'm not proud <laughs> i don't of this. think anyone's judging not, you in 2020
0: <laughs> i watched a lot of tv this year as well you're fine sir cool
1: we actually found ourselves at the beginning of the year my wife and i with all this time and like all these things we wanted to watch (laughs) we literally wrote them all down in a on a hat like we just drew them out of a hat at random it's because it was hard to even make a decision like it was just too much mental labor to make a decision so we just made it random that's kind of how we watch stuff but yeah we got to catch up great way to do it catch up on a lot of stuff from um late mid to late last year and then all the new stuff that came out this year uh, mm-hmm. I don't know where you want to start, but I mean, I kind of put them in alphabetical order by platform.
0: <laughs> I love it. Let's let's talk about like what were your were your main highlights. So I don't know if you want to go through like top to bottom on your list, but like what were your, your favorite standout shows this year? And I think we have quite a bit of overlap, so cool. we can riff as we go along. Some of your stuff I haven't seen, though, so.
1: Well, I, I I'll I'll be remiss if I didn't add this one that I didn't put on my list from last month but I forgot we had watched Better Call Saul Season 5 earlier this year Oh, okay You uh, just like, straight up paid the $25, whatever it was for just that one show uh, Totally worth it <laughs> Are you guys a fan of Better That's Call good. Saul? I've only
0: actually got through I've only watched like 8 episodes of Season 1 like years ago and for whatever reason I just like kind of forgot about it and never went back to it but I've been meaning to go back and like just do the whole thing and i've heard that it's really good
1: some people i don't know if this is hyperbole say it's the best show on tv and they say it's like way better than breaking bad um i don't i can't really wow. argue i can't make mount a good argument against that but yeah it's it's wow, okay it's fantastic it's not the same show as breaking bad it's just some of the same people some of the same characters mm-hmm. and they've really mm-hmm. mastered shooting in uh, albuquerque which is not an attractive place like downtown albuquerque you know, it's I've, I've, we did the we did the self guided uh, Breaking Bad Better Call Saul tour a couple of years ago. I drove around, oh, really? and it's like amazing how they make these places
0: look, and they're not really pretty. So, yeah. So, is it is it it's prettier or less pretty than um, Phoenix? Would you say uh, it's about the same? As a former resident. Honestly, of Phoenix, it's about to, yeah about the same. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Phoenix is way better.
1: I'd say the surroundings, um, like the you know at least the forest around you know albuquerque and santa fe is probably more attractive than phoenix is but okay it's
0: similar just pure desert
1: anyway i would definitely recommend that if you haven't uh, but of course it's five seasons Mm in um i'm gonna throw some ones out there that i don't think most people have really you know gotten a chance to watch one was on amazon prime it's a sci-fi anthology show called tales from the loop i saw a bit of that this year Yeah,
0: i think i watched five or six episodes yeah
1: I feel like that when the way that's sort of world building and it's all these little vignettes, you know, each uh, each episode mm-hmm. is a different character, a character that might have been a background character in the previous episode, so you get the sense of this community. Right. And I think like the what I like about David Foster Wallace's writing, or at least in *Infinite Jest*, is like sort of that building that patchwork of of the community as a larger picture, not necessarily one narrative. But so I've, that really resonated with me a lot, and also reminded me of. Mm-hmm uh, Krzysztof Kijelowski's Decalogue, my favorite filmmaker. Uh, Decalogue was a Polish TV series from the eighties where he does one episode for each one of the 10 commandments. So it had kind of this, uh, this okay. poetry to it that it reminded me of Decalogue alike, which I like, but the premise is it's a, hmm. a small town that's built on top of some kind of government research facility. I don't even know if it's government. It's might be a private enterprise, but right. Yeah. They call it the loop. And most of the people, you know, or a uh, associated with the some way work there or affected by it and it's just kind of weird twilight zone-esque um strange things that happen because of this science experiment in the small town
0: yeah see so right sort of like 80s robotics kind of stuff yeah going it does on, feel like 80s ret- retro
1: kind of like soviet brutalism yeah. kind of stuff in there too like
0: the, like the way yeah things are, totally things look and a musical score uh by philip Glass too if that interests you yeah uh it does very much interest me that was one of my main latch on points to to get there to that show absolutely
1: I've just really come to appreciate um, a self-contained episode like a show because this has eight episodes and and done it's not a huge commitment you know I just don't I just can't sit down and watch a 20 episode like network TV thing anymore just I'll tend to pick things that they're short um,
0: like reading a book
3: or a long movie and I think
0: the, I think the BBC kind of nails this idea right like they do like six episode seasons and as a show is usually not more than like two or three seasons.
1: Yeah, that that's my thing.
0: And there's something kind of nice and succinct about that. In North America, we're like now, give us like 11 seasons of The Office, 25 episodes a season, really drag this thing out, you know.
1: Well, it just becomes a money machine for a lot of them like like lost. Lost <laughs> could have been great if they hadn't had to drag it out, you know. It became the top show on TV, so right. you can't kill the cash cow. Yeah. You have to let it keep going.
0: It, exactly and i'm also not paying out on the american office although i hated it at first compared to the british one but i came to to love it and i i celebrate the series but like 11 seasons is a long time to be sitting yeah with that office environment For sure
2: here. no you're, you're fucking blasphemy no <laughs> um, uh, I think we have, with,
0: I celebrate it. I just said I celebrate. No, it
2: But with that kind of a show, it's different. Like it's not trying to achieve anything. It's just building characters and building mm. worlds. Mm. And uh, right. what what Chris just made me think of with Tales from the Loop is like uh, Russian Doll, which was on Netflix last year, mm-hmm. which is a yeah. like very short, self contained. Um, you know, the whole thing is like eight episodes.
1: But I take your point on the office though. It's become like uh, the millennials' um, comfort TV. In the way uh, the mm-hmm. character was it uh, Gately's dad who watched Mash until he expired, and in Infinite Jest.
0: Was it Gately's dad? What character uh, was that? I don't. Yeah, who is that? It's been like a few years since I read Infinite Jest cover yeah. to cover, so I'm like.
2: I really it, like the the British baking shows. My comfort TV. Uh, I really like the British speaking <laughs> show. That's my comfort. Team. Nailed it. No, that's not as good. Not as good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, speaking of like short, self-contained things, I also add uh, "Good Omens." That was from 2019. Uh-huh. but I still got a chance to catch up on that this year. I've been a little intimidated yeah. into where to get into Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman.
0: Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This... I watched some American Gods last year and the year before. And, like, yeah, it's a bit intimidating to get right. into that universe. There's just
1: too much. I don't know where to start. And someone said, well, just start with Good Omens. Read the book. So I read the book immediately before watching the show. And I really mm. enjoyed it. It's only six episodes. Again, short to the point. It's mm. about basically the apocalypse. Um, An angel played by Michael Sheen and a demon played by David Tenner are trying to avert the apocalypse. Just this, you know, mm-hmm. small middle-class town in England. It's very funny.
0: Okay. I like Michael Sheen. I've not watched it. I've heard, I've heard it, like I've seen it get panned pretty hard, so now I'm really curious to watch it based on your positive recommendation, because I think we tend to agree on most of this kind of stuff. Well, it's my first experience with,
1: with Pratchett and Neil Neil Gaiman, so yeah. I could be way off, <laughs> and the, the hardcore fans were, were right.
0: <laughs> I've never read any Terry Pratchett, so I've only played the board game of Discworld, which I thought was great, uh, but that's all I know, so...
1: Well, anyway, this is a really short commitment too, so it's not like a big. It's only six hours, so yeah, not that big of a deal. You're not not wasting a pretty, lot of your life.
0: Pretty easy. Yeah. Um, does it kind of have similar themes to the Good Place? It sounds kind of in that. Yeah. Same kind of I imagined mean, theological realm.
1: Yeah, there's there's some scenes that feel like the Good Place. There's a sort of an afterlife with an, where yeah. angels, you know, kind of um, have meetings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. This is like a little bureaucratic, you know. And it's just. The absurdity of this oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> taking something that is like the biggest thing of like mortality and the end of the world and making it sort of absurd—that's right up my alley. Yeah, <laughs>
0: is it kind of like Wings of Desire but like the comedy version? Um, hmm.
1: yeah, Wings of Desire is too serious. <laughs> I love that film, but yeah, not quite. Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, also, Undone on Amazon
2: Prime. Um, I did watch that. I love that show. Oh, about- you did.
0: This is on my list. I've heard good things well, about Matt, this.
1: Matt, do you want to explain that one?
2: So it's sort of uh, rotoscoped, right? Like it was filmed uh, live action and then animated over um, the animation. And uh, it's about a woman who is kind of stuck in a time loop, right? And she is uh her father is played by better call Saul guy right what's his name um Uh, Bob Odenkirk and uh it's also what I loved about this set in San Antonio I mean I think Rosa Salazar is the main character she is a great actress and uh I love the stuff in the show about like quantum entanglement oh. and trying to get out of it. Didn't you recommend this to me, Dave? I feel I like I have seen. I feel this like show. you recommended this to me.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. So what happened is my file. So I like as soon as we recorded our last year in review, I start a new word file and I just add everything to it that I watch and read and listen to and whatever. And it lost like a lot of stuff this year. Like um, the cloud lo- like lost half of the save file, so I had to just from memory try to remember what I had watched and undone was on it and now i know exactly what you're talking about yeah that show is awesome okay yeah,
1: yeah. Carry on. this was technically september of 2019 so it was not this year but i
0: only caught up to it like this year so totally yeah it's just we always do whatever you watched this year or read this year it's fair game it kind of reminded me of like waking life the the link later film yeah same style right. just the spiritual spiritual i think it's more cohesive you know, theorial... than that though it's Definitely more cohesive. It's a story. That's like vignettes, you know, conversational. Yeah. Yeah, that show was great. And also, yeah, very short, right? Like, was it six or eight episodes? Uh, Eight
1: eight 30-minute episodes. Yeah. Very doable. Yeah.
0: So it's a a short.
1: But I think
2: they're going to make a season two of it. I just saw, like, this year. They're going to do it again. I follow Rosa Salazar on Instagram. Big fan. Um, it's partly set in San Antonio. I think it's mostly set in San Antonio. Right. Um, Not many TV shows set in San Antonio. I love San Antonio. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't remember exactly when I watched that, but I, I do love that show. It's a great show. Cool.
0: Oh, I'm thinking of a show called the undoing is on my list to watch an hbo show okay i've heard yeah not so undone and the undoing (laughs) this looks like more of a drama (laughs) featuring um nicole kidman no one's seen it okay i haven't seen it all
1: right so i i kind of want to talk about um apple tv as a platform because i don't know Mm -hmm. how many people have access Mm -hmm. to it we only got it because you know we got a new phone you get like a year free
0: yeah that happened to me too
1: have you watched anything on it?
0: So I've really only watched Ted Lasso's one show that I've watched from it, and there's not a lot of other stuff on it that really jumps out of me so far. But I really like Ted Lasso.
1: So that's that's what I thought. There wasn't. I was like, I'm not going to pay for this. Um, I don't. Nothing really. Nothing really appeals to me. <laughs> and then I actually started digging around and finding yeah. good stuff. We like. And it's funny because okay. it it launched last year around the same time that Disney Plus was launching, and I think people were just overwhelmed oh, with, yeah. that, with too many platforms. And it just didn't have the bandwidth mm. to, to even like consider it. And about a week after it launched, the the head of like programming and like show development, um, resigned. So it looked like a really bad launch. And most of the shows oh, wow. got like middling to poor reviews, I think. So it's like there's can't there can't be much good on here. And actually, it ended up being like really nice surprise. What we did find, um, mm. the morning show, which is an incredibly expensive show to produce by 300 yeah, million dollars imagine. to make two seasons. Then mostly that's the S- cast. That was their uh,
0: their flagship yeah, launch. Yeah, because Steve Carell, yeah, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Billy. Carell. Yeah, I watched that this year too.
1: Yeah. So you watched the morning show. What was your takeaway
0: from that show? Yeah, did you like it overall? Yeah,
1: I was surprised. And has someone who worked for yeah. about 18 years in the TV business, including on a morning show in like a really large TV market, I found a lot of it just like the. Right. Just the logistics of it and like to be kind of true it felt honest about some things hmm. i mean I, I didn't work at this level where it's you know like the the matt lauer kind of level that you know that steve carell is story is kind of based on mm-hmm. but i really like this i was surprised i, I don't yeah. steve carell is like maybe the only human on the planet you could get to play that role where he's at the same time despicable <laughs> but also like, charming you know you could turn like a switch
0: yeah Totally. I felt really conflicted by this show. It's a show that explores the Me Too phenomenon of you know wealthy, powerful, famous TV personality who can exploit women, and it kind of wants you to, like, um, it humanizes him and it wants you to like have sympathy for him. It does it in something of a nuanced way, but I felt really uncomfortable with what they were trying to do with that to, like, kind of make him a hero. But also, at the same time, they're showing, like, the ways in which his life completely, uh, like, was blown up by this event.
1: Right. I mean, it's his fault. He's, he did the things, right? You know, he, he did bad things, He right? did the
0: shitty things. He deserves the backlash and, and everything melting down around him. But it wants you I feel like it wants you to like to be there with him through it. And I just don't know if I want to. To me,
1: the fascinating you know part I mean? is like the people who enabled it too, you know, like the Jennifer Aniston character. Like she knew it was going on and she kind mm. of enables it. Yeah. You know, because it's part of that the culture. Is a cool feature of it. Right. It's 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 very honest about like what that's like, yeah. you know, the sexual harassment stuff within the T V stations. Um Yeah, I found I found it to be pretty honest and it, it is difficult but it was also mm. I thought just really great performances and it was nuanced writing and yeah. I'm really curious to see what they do um, with season two because they've they paid for it already
0: this show oh there's going to be a season two yeah, of that so I did not know they put up three Apple oh, okay. put up
1: 300 million dollars to produce two seasons of this show it's about 15 million dollars per episode which is about like what an episode of Game of Thrones costs you know like the so that's oh my gosh Really, they, they sunk so much that's money. that's shocking into this. <laughs> wow and it's I I just expected it to be bad based on how much money they put into it for some reason. I I thought mm-hmm. it was pretty good.
0: Right, totally. Yeah. I mean, it is it is interesting that you get like the the perspective of all of the all of the stakeholders involved in a situation like that.
2: I got to yeah. say at some point during quarantine um, my debit card got compromised and so I had to change my login and password. I mean, my payment information for every single streaming service that I pay for. And oh, no. uh, I the one that I stopped, I just didn't never update was Disney plus um, because I was like, I'm just going to see how long my kids go without noticing that I haven't, <laughs> that I haven't like updated the payment information on Disney plus and they still have not noticed. Um, but I don't have Apple Plus, even though I have like mm-hmm. I mean Apple TV even though I have like every other Apple device um, yeah. my I, but I pay for you know Netflix Hulu Amazon um, and HBO Max my sister-in-law works for HBO Max and so I'm very very biased towards like HBO Originals um, mm.
0: Well, they're very good they're, too.
2: they're very good and their archives are amazing and like yeah um, Katie, if you're listening, I love you and I only watch (laughs) HBO Max. Uh, um, I don't watch any of this other trash that you're talking about. uh, Like on Apple TV.
1: (laughs) Based on their news from last week about releasing all the the new films uh, day and date on HBO Max, it's going to be the most valuable um, platform to have this year. If you want to see these new movies like Dune. Right. Definitely By watch far.
0: Except, except for now, Chris, you're crying because you're in Canada and you're not going to get to see those for like six months or whatever, eight months yeah. after the fact. This is a, one of the bad things about Canada is our entertainment reach in terms of access distribution is is awful compared to what Americans get to enjoy.
1: You got, you got new movies, right? I mean, you got like big blockbuster movies that come out around the same time, right?
0: Yes, but specifically with the movies that, that just got mentioned like dune and stuff the platforms that are putting those out uh on the same day in theaters in the u.s as they are on the streaming services that's not happening in canada oh, just okay. theaters will have those movies i think they gonna be like a six to eight month wait for some of those i think there are ways to get around that Technology,
2: yeah, e- I'm sure there are. Email <laughs> yes, me after we'll this, this episode, <laughs> we'll, like, we'll see what we can work out. Switcher there. for you, yeah. Y- yeah you're a reviewer for this. the CDN, yeah. <laughs> Hollywood Foreign Press, right? You're Hollywood <laughs> Foreign Press, uh, it's no problem. Um, I gotta say, for uh, HBO Max, the one show that they do that's original that I really love, I mean, I love all their shows, but again, you don't need a recommendation from me to go watch like. You know, curb your enthusiasm. Um, (laughs) Is how to with John Wilson, and I've heard about. If you haven't seen, if you haven't seen the show, it is fucking unique. It is very bizarre, (laughs) and I love it because it's like a guy with a homemade camera in New York City who's just sort of like writing an essay and making his one-man show and like episode one is about like how to make small talk and but but really it has nothing to do with small talk it's him just like following his his mind wherever it goes and like episode number two is like how to build scaffolding in new york city and like he just talks to these people that he comes across he's just filming everything in his life constantly and it's it's like what mtv would have done in like the early 90s like the type of creative freedom that they give someone so i i really recommend if you get hbo max go check out that weird show because that's something you're not going to see <laughs> anywhere yeah. a super weird
1: and it's produced by nathan fielder right aren't you david aren't you a fan nathan for you <laughs>
0: I'm a huge Nathan Fielder fan. Yeah, so he's He yeah. produced the show? Yeah, he's a producer. Are you for real? Yeah. Oh I haven't watched gosh. it yet,
1: but I've okay. I've been on the road for the last week, it's, so I haven't had a chance to catch up on it, but yeah.
2: It's phenomenal. Go watch a couple of episodes of it and I think you would be hooked in it. Um just his voice comes across as like a one-man show, one man, one camera, and uh you know, he lives in New York City, but he travels and it's one of those things that like, it starts out seeming one thing and then it just goes completely off the rails into another thing all the time. And, uh, I
0: can't, I cannot wait for this. What's I, it
2: called again? How to with John Wilson How
0: to with John Wilson. And Great. I'm going to watch as it as soon as it, we get off. He's
2: list. So that's the only like HBO max. I, I mean, I really love HBO max cause you can go into like the, uh, turner classic movies channel it's it's phenomenal but i'm gonna shut up because i'm not i'm not an expert on this like i'm really more no. of a reader chris uh it, of the netflix stuff that you did watch like again besides great british baking show which i know is amazing queen's gambit <laughs> what, what else on net what's your netflix look like
1: i watched very little netflix this year i think fig- i think that was like the, the thing we watched Damn. the most in the previous years and i i basically watched uh the queen's gambit which i think everybody watched um yeah i watched i re-watched all of community one through se- uh, one through six seasons because what a great show my favorite sitcom um and i hadn't had not so seen good. the last season because it was only on like yahoo for a while so I finally oh, got to wrap really? that up but yeah netflix
0: hmm. uh not that much honestly yeah i see that you watch right. space force which is a show that I watched a few. We're going to edit
2: this out. Like... No Netflix. Sorry, Netflix is dead to me now. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Space Force is good though, right? It was good. Not for me, man. No, I,
0: it was a pass. It just, just was not funny. It's Just kind of lame. I saw the trailer, but sure it's it phenomenal. To be.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, the trailer, the trailer good. was great. The trailer was good. The trailer was like, "Oh yeah, I'm all, I'm in, I'm here for this."
2: And I mean, I'm a Steve Carell fan. Like, I mean, he won so many fans from The Office. Like, how how can you not like him?
0: Yeah, sure,
1: love him. It's great. Yeah, if you must see Steve Carell, I suggest The Morning Show and not Space Force.
0: Yeah, I did start a show called Moonbase Eight the other day. Have you guys heard of this? I- it's got um, it's got John C. Riley, Tim Heidecker, and the guy from portlandia fred Armisen. <laughs> fred Armisen, yeah
1: is
3: it good
0: it's i only watched like one episode and it seems fine but it kind of reminded me of like a more lo-fi version of space force okay
1: so it's like these guys, guys, guys. Who are like
0: on a on a moon-based simulator and they're trying to like survive and the water tank breaks and it's it's kind of funny oh so
1: they're not actually on the moon they're just in a simulator
0: yeah but they're hoping to get to the moon but they're just like living through the simulation process first in training uh, but they're just kind of like dim-witted
1: okay so there's like an odd couple kind of thing it's just like three clashing personalities in a
0: small enclosure at first but then um there's four guys one of them dies like in the first 10 minutes he's just kind of a meathead football jock um but where it's going i can see that it, that it's maybe going to be cool But I've only seen one episode, so...
2: Dave, what platform is this on? We're going by platform here. I think it was on... It's like
1: Showtime.
0: I I think I just found it through my my cable, my TELUS cable,
2: on demand. All right, let's go back to Hulu, because I I did... Crave, probably. I did want to talk about a movie that I loved on Hulu, which was Class Action Park.
1: I saw that, yeah. That was fun. That
2: was hilarious. Uh, I did
0: not see that because Canada does not have
2: Hulu. <laughs> what?
0: Sorry to break this to you, Chris. What do you Canada mean?
2: Doesn't... You can't get Hulu at all?
0: We don't have Hulu in Canada. You can't yeah, get like no a VPN access.
2: or something? Or like...
0: You can get a VPN probably, but my mom's f- not going to do that. You know, like the average person's not going to have access f- to it. <laughs> I'm aiming not
3: to yeah, be average. Yeah,
0: sounds good. <laughs> yeah, all Hulu.
3: Right, we're going to edit
2: this out later, but... Um, class action park was phenomenal and it was narrated by john hodgman and it is uh you know chris gethard chris gethard yeah yeah he's one of the like interviewees about this incredibly unsafe um amusement park that existed in new jersey in the 1970s (laughs) 1980s and they have some like archival footage like i really enjoyed this show um it was a one-off thing, and like you could tell, it was someone's pitch. Like, oh, we should do a thing about this really crazy amusement park. But you know, Hulu is a type of show that or a type of network that would be like, oh, let's pick it up. Let's just go produce that.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was definitely fun. It's insane. Uh, you, I'm not sure you did it justice, and like how crazy this park was. Like they call it Class Action Park because people kept getting injured, and I think someone actually died people died it's just several a water park. people died no. yeah. it's a water park yeah. with like no real safety and it's like this sort of libertarian guy that runs it and doesn't run by any... teenagers <laughs> yeah <laughs> he doesn't want any rules He's, he keeps flouting the local oh ordinances gosh. and it's just it's yep. yeah any oh business gosh. that's run by teens is um, probably you know uh, bad thing waiting to happen but this was this is insane it was
2: dangerous it was dangerous oh my gosh uh, I, I oh. really enjoyed that class action park um,
0: I'm seeing that HBO Max has it. No, so maybe I can access it.
2: Man, it, it, just even talking to Canadians right now, I feel lost. I, like, I don't even know, like, what what kind of TV y'all have up there. It's just like Tim Hortons yeah, network. Exactly. It's like you got like gravy well, on Tim Hortons the, network, poutine network, or whatever.
1: I, I have been Googling a lot of Canadian uh, businesses. I, I learned today that Canadian Tire has a lot more than just tires. It has all kinds of stuff. What? Yes. I, I feel overwhelmed, most, too. Most I, things. I feel so lost right in now. In the universe. I haven't been able to leave my apartment, but I'm very lost. As to what, when I can go out, mm. what I can do.
0: But, Chris, you just text me anytime you have a question about this, this strange foreign planet you find <laughs> okay. yourself in, and I, I'll inform you to the best of my ability.
1: I appreciate it. I'm going to um, need it.
0: <laughs> it's All right. Um, what were your thoughts on Ted Lasso, Chris? You oh, liked yeah, it. Ted Lasso. Back to the Apple thing.
1: Yeah. So that was the, the reason people started talking about Apple this year. It took them almost a year.
0: Yeah. That's the same for me. Not, yep. not
1: the kind of thing I would have chosen to watch. Probably. It's. A, I just had people kept talking about yeah. it. So we started watching it. Bef- it's just before really it charming,
0: good feel good comedy.
1: Yeah. I I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. It's just like it's it's just a ray of sunshine. It's not it's yes. not sarcastic. It's you know it's not ironic. It's just, I I feel like it's something that should have been made in the 80s, maybe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of takes, like, um, like, everyone, like, most of the people, most of the characters in the show are, in a way, kind of unearnest compared to Ted Lasso, and he's this, like, shining beacon of um, positivity and earnestness, and maybe the irony is, like, surrounding him, that they are kind of incredulous that he can be this... You know, positive all the time, and that's kind of the conceit of the show. But then he he kind of like black holes everyone into that positivity around him, and by the end, it's just like kind of a, a big love in, you know.
1: And it's also a sports show, and I I know nothing about soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. We didn't really <laughs> mention the premise in which an American college football coach is um, hired to run a Premier League soccer team. To basically so that the owner can destroy in it in the uk yeah. yeah so the owner the owner can destroy her husband's
0: team and yeah it's it's her ex-husband's team yeah. yeah it's a vendetta it's a it's a female revenge show really at, at the heart of it what meets friday night lights um where coach eric taylor comes in and like clear eye clear eyes full hearts it
2: i mean really that's the plot of the movie major league it's right? like we have <laughs> I'm to. I'm sure it's the plot of most. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love have, Major League. <laughs> we have to like tank totally. the team, but yeah. I, I did, you know, read several things that compared it to the sort of sincerity that is associated with, you know, the new sincerity often associated with David Foster Wallace. Um, mm. Just in the way to bring it back, uh, as again, I can bring anything back to this. <laughs> um, but it, it was like mentioned in that context right like Ted Lasso is not trying to be ironic about anything it's not trying to do um, anything cynical like you're talking very sincere and heartfelt and like especially maybe because it's a pandemic year like a lot of people want that kind of like just raw yeah. heartfelt emotion you know
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i don't think anything yeah. else was like that this year i watched a lot, of bum- a lot of bummer shows this year honestly or you know sort of <laughs>
2: yeah horror i mean i watched a lot of horror movies just because i um felt like this is the year of absolute terror yeah
1: i honestly i i i feel comfort in horror sometimes too um i would go to bed I'd like read a stephen king book before i go to bed because the horror of the real world is too much for me, but like, you know, the killer clown is comforting somehow.
2: Yeah. 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 And when we get to this, I'm not, we're not going to talk about this tonight, but, um, I, I really liked a lot of, you know, I feel like true crime is having a Renaissance, not only in podcasts, but in, um, like TV documentary series. And maybe this is more of Netflix, which you didn't really get into, but like, there's a lot going on with, true crime and like people's fascination with cause they're stuck at home. Like what's actually going on with actual crime. You know, I, I feel like there's some connection there.
0: We're like, we're, like
1: missing. What the,
2: crime. What was the
0: Patton Oswalt's wife's um, crime documentary? Oh, this I'll year. be
1: gone in the dark. Did you guys watch that? I didn't. I, my, I think my wife watched it. I didn't watch it cause I don't like
2: true crime, but
0: okay. I I, I watched a bit of it and then it just got too dark for me, but Rachel kept watching it.
2: (laughs) I I, I did enjoy that.
0: Oh, you watched it? Yeah.
2: And in general, like I say, I think um, people just went out of their comfort zone a little bit. Chris, is there anything that like this year you felt like was different for you in terms of like wanting to be out of your comfort zone? Maybe you already alluded to this.
1: Um, I would say like the one thing that surprised me the most, which I the show I did not want to watch, even though HBO kept shoving trailers down my throat every time I turned it on, was Succession. <laughs> I I thought that show oh, looked I miserable. Succession. I thought like there's no way I'm going to watch this. I agree. Yeah, this is this is the premise is so bad. Horrible people being horrible yeah. to each other. I don't want to watch it. I don't. I don't need that kind of negativity. Yeah, I enjoyed this more than any show I think this year.
0: Um. And oh, is he number one? Yeah, I think that's great.
1: I think it's definitely top five. Um, but it's technically not a 2020 show because it just won awards this year. When it racked up a bunch of Emmys, mm-hmm. people actually started to take it seriously. So we kind of just binged mm-hmm. two seasons of Succession
0: quickly. Yeah, yeah. Kieran Culkin's performance and character in that show is just like, I'm I'm just there for it the whole time. It's, it's what keeps me in the most.
1: I'd say the show is as violent as Game of Thrones, but just like, just verbally. Like it's just as bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, you watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel this year as well. Yeah. That's a, that's a highlight for me too.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if people caught on to that yet. It's such a, it's such a good show. Um, I just love the the quick talking, like the dialogue and it's just like, so over the top, but also the cinematography for a TV show. It's, like, so difficult. I've seen, like, behind-the-scenes, like, how they shoot this thing. And it's just... It's Mm -hmm. trying so hard, but they pull it off. And especially doing a lot of, like, period stuff, you know? So, 50s and 60s. Um, Yeah. That one's... How many seasons is that now? Three?
3: Four?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that is a great show. It's like... um... It's um, it's kind of like an Oscar Wilde play in terms of how like snappy and smart some of the characters are. How like quick the dialogue yeah, is. It feels like no one, no one talks like this. No one can be this smart in the moment. It's
1: like the his girl Friday kind of quick fire dialogue. It also feels like a Coen Brothers movie a little bit with some of their
0: comedies. Yeah, or like Gilmore Girls kind of has that kind of vibe to it as well. Well,
1: yeah, the same creator. I'd never watched Gilmore Girls, but. Amy Sherman, Palladino. Yeah, I haven't seen much either. Um, He's the, cra- right, yeah. the showrunner and creator of this. <laughs> so that's the reason for that.
0: It's like me saying that, like, um, you know, it's Kafka-esque <laughs> and it's written by Kafka. You know? <laughs> Squid in the way. Well. Makes sense.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Any other standout shows for you this year, Chris? Unorthodox? Uh, on...
1: I did ne- watch that. Yeah, that was Netflix. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, Again, I think was it was only f- like four hours, which is great
0: yeah it's pretty short hey? it's
1: about a girl nina leaving her super orthodox jewish family and community in new york and escaping to germany yeah um i consider it a movie almost i mean i think it kind of fits the bill if you consider it a yeah that's or a movie. true
0: that's a good way to put it i think did um did either of you guys watch john mulaney and the sack lunch bunch this year i haven't even heard <laughs> of like that a... what is it so john mulaney is the stand-up comedian I've heard of him um, who's got a bunch of specials on Netflix. I really like him. He's one of my favorite comics and it's just like a 1-hour special with it's kind of like a Sesame Street vibe with like these adolescent kids that he hangs out with and there's like songs and it's like musical. It is just really funny and like some of the songs from it have really really stuck with me. I think about them almost every day. There's one kid who sings about like the only thing he eats is a plain plate of noodles with a little bit of butter. And there's like a whole like song about mm-hmm. it. And it's just Okay. It awesome. sounds strange. I recommend I it. I don't think I can
1: quite understand yeah, without like like seeing it's, it. But... It's
0: like off the wall comedy meets Sesame Street kind of. Cool. Um,
1: I wanted to bring up devs, which I think is definitely my top five from this year. Do you guys see that on Hulu? No, I haven't. It's from Alex Garland. I've, n- I've seen nothing on Hulu.
0: <laughs> oh right,
1: <laughs> VPN, VPN. Um, <laughs> Devs is it's a really heady sci-fi from Alex Garland. Um, you know, he directed um, or wrote Sunshine, uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, Ex oh, Machina, yeah, okay. Anni- Annihilation. Those mm-hmm. are all his films, and he oh I like those. Yeah, he writes and directs all eight episodes of this thing. So again, it feels like an extended film. Uh, it's got Nick Offerman kind of playing against type. He's Nick Offerman, um, he's the head of devs, this company that it's really unclear at the beginning Uh, of the show what they do. It's sort of a mystery. Um, It's really about like quantum computing and predicting the future. And (laughs) I I
0: just loved it. It,
3: Minority report. Yeah, kind of like that. I would highly
1: recommend that if you haven't got a chance. Also on Hulu, The Great, um, which is based on Catherine, The Great and her marriage to uh, Peter Peter. Oh, III. I watched some of that. It's written by Tony McNamara who wrote the favorite the Yorgos Lanthimos film. Oh, yeah. Which I, one of my favorite films a from a couple movie. of years ago. And it's just it's just like 10 hours of that. It's just like really biting um, <laughs> awesome. commentary. Again, not a kind of thing I thought I would enjoy. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed the hell out of this. Uh, Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt are the main actors.
0: Believe it or not, in New Zealand some of the platforms had some of the shows you're listing right now so i watched the great on that okay but a weird thing happened with the sequencing because rachel watched it first and then i went to watch it after and i think i started on like episode four but i didn't know that oh and so i just actually was like uh i'm lost after like three episodes so i didn't finish it maybe i'll go back it almost
1: doesn't matter it's kind of episodic there is sort of a a through line to the story but you can sit down and watch one episode and just enjoy it for what it is
2: Yeah, yeah, cool. Now, recording this, usually the Oscars are announced in early February, right? Like, um, six weeks from now, like, any thoughts on, like, what do you think, like, Mank, did you see any of those, like, films you think that will be in contention, or, you know, what are your thoughts on how superhero movies will do in, in context with... You know some of the other technical awards, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Uh, I almost tend not to think in terms of Oscars because I honestly don't care. I can't even tell you what won the Oscar last year. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> Parasite. <laughs> Parasite. Yeah, there you go. Great film. Which I, which I saw a great this film. year. That's a great and film. that's my favorite movie that I saw this year. Yeah. It's and,
1: such and, and. a weird year for movies, and I mean, literally, I'm, I'm a movie guy. I've, by this time of year, would have already seen like fifty films in the in the theater, at least. I try to go at least once yeah. a week, uh, and I kind of enjoyed the yeah. whole spectrum. I just of of what cinema is, from the superhero stuff down to the smallest, um, independent. Um, I mean, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I can give you a few that I think were were just great. My yeah. my, my favorite film of this year is First Cow by Kelly Reichert. Are you guys familiar with Kelly Reichert? Oh, I've heard all? good things about that. She's um very very like small lo-fi filmmaker. Um, she's like Wendy and Lucy Meeks cut off certain women. This is some of her previous films. She worked with um,
0: Old Joy, Old Joy with Will, Will Oldham. Oldham. Yeah, she, she worked with Bonnie Prince Billy. Okay, she worked Seen with that. Michelle
1: Williams a lot. <laughs> um, but this is this is yeah. just a film about settling the Pacific Northwest. I think it takes place in Oregon, and it's literally about how hard and how hard the life is up there and how miserable. And then this this rich man moves in and he imports a cow and suddenly these mm-hmm. two guys uh, have an idea to start milking that cow and baking biscuits in like with with the the milk from the cow and this doesn't sound like mm-hmm. a really, it's usually a dramatic movie but it's about the friendship of these two guys and it's it's literally that phrase like why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free but they start making these amazing <laughs> confections and it's just a a drama about how that all plays out and it's it's hard for me to describe it because it's very it's very slow very kind of quiet movie Mm -hmm. um i really want to see that again i think that's my favorite cool um i'm thinking of ending things the charlie kaufman film did you guys have a chance to see that one
0: i did i was gonna i was gonna bring this up too What's your What's your feeling about it, Chris? Did you enjoy this film? Did you enjoy the very specific David Foster Wallace conversation in the car? I did. I laughed. No, brief interviews with hideous men. Yeah,
3: <laughs>
1: that's not the reason I like the film a lot, but I, I'm just predisposed to Charlie Kaufman's uh, sort of way of thinking about things. Um, yeah, me too. And this This has like just a very relatable, miserable drive. A conversation between two people on a drive in the snow, and it's just like that. Just doesn't happen on the screen very often but it's just it's just very honest
3: yeah
2: Uh, we actually just talked about his book right so he wrote Mm -hmm. a novel this year as well called ant kind and you know the the book ant kind reminds me a little bit of uh synecdoche new york as well as uh the orchid thief right an adaptation and part of it is set in florida and you know, I, I really love uh, adaptation. Like, if you go mm-hmm. back to him as a screenwriter, too. I think that was probably the first thing that I saw of his that I loved. Um, being John Malkovich is up there, but like when you look at uh, The Orchid Thief, which he was trying to adapt into a, a movie, mm-hmm. uh, it was a failure, right? It's not really. Like, I love the book, but it's not a great book. Like, Susan Orlean, have you guys read this book, The Orchid Thief? No, I haven't. Like, I, it made me into an orchid buyer. Like, I still <laughs> raise orchids. I have an orchid that's b- really? blooming right now. And because I love this book so much, um, that's why I bought orchids. And, like, for Charlie <laughs> Kaufman to try to, like, I, you could tell, like, he loved this book, right? And like for a guy who loved the book to try to adapt it into a movie, um, he could see like about fifty percent of it, and like I feel like that with a lot of his movies is like he can see about like fifty percent of what it should be, and then like the other half is like fuck it, <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> who cares?
2: <laughs> who cares? I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that in Synecdoche, New York, right? Where it's like, eh, it's like it's almost there, but it's like. He can only go so far with that. that's what I find so frustrating about him like um you know, I'm thinking of ending things. I love movies where it's like two people talking right, like or just talking, yeah, nothing happens, yeah. just dialogue. I love shit like that, but mm-hmm. it is I don't know fifty percent of the time a failure, um, but I
1: think failures are often more interesting, like there are like songs that. You know, it has a great melody. Then they kind of screw it up, and it's like by cutting it up, it makes it more interesting. It's it's not finished. It, things were unsatisfying, and it makes you want to return to them again and again until you're satisfied. So it's, <laughs> that's a weird way to think I like
2: of that it. That
0: way of thinking, Chris.
1: But, no, I think that's yeah.
2: fair. I think that's fair. Um, I yeah. The the I'm thinking of ending things. Did get some like a lot of Twitter stuff just because of the Wallace references, yeah. right? Like. Um, I gotta say
0: I felt I felt really cringy about that whole Wallace section. Like I just something about something about just made me recoil a little bit. Like it was way too on the nose, you
2: know? I feel like that way about anyone doing a David Foster Wallace reference in a in a movie now it's
0: It It used to be exciting for me in like two thousand twelve and now it's just like oh there was a
2: funny one that just yeah. happened. was Big Mouth. Do you guys know the show Big Mouth? I do know that I show. Bandana. I haven't
0: watched the most recent season, though.
2: Well, there's, like, a great Dave Foster Wallace reference in the news. Is
0: it a Big Red Sun reference based
2: on no, the themes of that show? No, it's a bandana reference. Oh, but...
1: <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I, th- I think I'm thinking of ending things. Is, it's, like, sort of made up of a lot of references. So now, and I think part of the fun is picking them out. Yeah. And, like, I didn't get a lot of them.
0: Oh, yeah, like... That whole sequence about where he's just quoting a, a famous movie review for like five minutes. Do you know this part? Is that Pauline Kale? Yeah, he's talking or... about Pauline Kale. I don't know, maybe. Pauline Kale. Yeah, I, I just read about it in like reviews and I was like, that's a pretty deep cut to like quote a movie, a famous movie review for a long time.
1: There's a shot <laughs> of his room where it's just filled with all these things that he's referencing. It's just like you just pan across the bookshelves and you see like all these books oh, and yeah, he's yeah, just right. like he's just daring you to find, you know, to spot it references. And like, even the last, yeah. the, the speech he gives at the end is the exact same speech from a beautiful mind that Russell Crowe's character gives in the end. It, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> it's like not even trying to hide it, but it's, yeah. So I, I think people can watch this movie and see different things in it. And some of it, if you don't know the references, mm-hmm. it's going to pass over you. But if you do, you know, you're going to kind of grin, yeah. but it's like, it's can I ask, mm-hmm. you know, like a life, it's just, you're just kind of made up of references, aren't you? Everything you've read, and the sort of language yeah. that we have together—like having read the same things or watched the same shows—and like, how much of a person are you mm-hmm. really? Or are you just a pile of references? And he's—I
0: <laughs> think I'm gonna um, just go cry in the corner after <laughs> hearing you say that because, like, that just really landed for me.
1: <laughs> that's that's kind of what this movie's about, and he's coming to terms with, you know, all the art and things that he, that he's that have. Been he's been passionate about in his life and he's trying to just like make this perfect mm. woman, right? Like the woman in the movie is sort of a conglomeration of women he's dated in the past and isn't a real character. Mm. But he's just like, you know, talking references at them to find some kind of connection and he just can't find the connection with another human. And it's mm. deeply sad, but it's also like very true.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, you putting it in that perspective gives me like, a, a new interest in rewatching it with that lens in mind, because I think I think that's a cool angle.
2: I, I mean, that that to me is very real, right? Like, um, I actually sure. I actually love that that idea um, because I do the same thing. And you know, we were talking earlier about influences and like Don DeLillo, like good artists steal, right? Like, if you want to make your own. <laughs> movie you're gonna go and take a bunch of other references from other people and put them together and people who appreciate those references should like your work um and the same thing is like if you're going out on a date and you don't know someone and you're like hey i like this i like this i like this i like this and they're feeding stuff at you you're looking for a connection right like you're like oh Mm -hmm. if they're into this thing like honestly i'm not looking for a date but if someone wants to talk about field notes and pencils like like i'm in you know or or i mean and to me that's more where i'm at right now than like talking about infinite jest like if you talk about infinite jest boom you're my people i love you whatever but um like right now like if you want to talk about a bunch of other stuff i will meet you where you're at i think there's a lot to that actually and i think the failure you know what you just said Chris like the failure to do that is like deeply sad or like the misconnection mm-hmm. Let's like ship passing yeah. in the night you know
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah well I brought it way down here should I find a comedy to talk about
0: Uh. well no no. Um, <laughs> I got one <laughs> on that note did you guys watch what we do in the shadows on FX the vampire mockumentary TV show
1: haven't seen the show yet and I, I know I should Seen the
0: film. It's great. It's really good. I watched all of it this year. I loved it. It's based on the Taika Waititi movie. Um, New, Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand. New Yeah. New Zealand's most famous um, director. Did like Hunt for the Wilder People and Boy and Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Yep. It's a great show. Um, did y'all watch Shit's Creek this year, which destroyed at the Emmys? That's like one everything for comedy. That's my biggest cultural blind spot. I
1: don't, I have not seen it.
0: (laughs) It's good. I recommend it. If you want something to warm your heart in 2020, Shit's Creek will do it. It's kind of like Ted Lasso in that kind of sincerity mode. I would say
2: I watched a little bit of it. I wouldn't say it's my style of humor. I do think it's funny. Uh, Some, Mm -hmm. a lot of people said it took them a while to get into it. It did not take me a while to get into it. Like I actually Mm -hmm. think, Like the characters, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, I'm sold. Like, I love it.
0: Oh, yeah. If you're a fan of like uh, Christopher Guest movies, like Best in Show, Mighty Wind, like you will instantly land with a cast because they're brilliant. I found that the show only got better as it went on. It's kind of like a Godspeed, you black emperor song in that way. (laughs) And by season five, it was just like rolling so hard. And every episode was so great. And it ended really well. So check that out. Um, You know, Canadian pride. It's one of the best things yeah. in a while. I guess I have to watch oh, it now. Shit. We don't put out a lot of great television, but like, I'm pretty, pretty happy that that's ours. We can claim that one. Um, Did you guys watch Detroiters? Never no, heard of it. Don't know what that is. Um, Tim Robinson is the guy who, who made I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Oh, do you
2: like that show? Is that good?
0: I really like that show. <laughs> I, I've never talked about it before. You made us watch it when or we were in on Austin last podcast. year. I <laughs>
1: decided to, to sit down and watch this. Oh, did yeah. I? Uh, I'm it's talking so it's that it.
0: guy. and It's that guy and Sam Richardson, and they run an ad company out of Detroit, and it's only two seasons, seasons long. It's quite short, and it is brilliant. It's really funny. Uh, strong recommend if anyone's living in Michigan, in Detroit right now. I was texting with Corey Baldoff about it lots of geographical references local humor stuff i think my favorite piece of tv this year though was the last dance the chicago bulls michael jordan documentary i did watch that i loved it i just it took me back to my like adolescence because i was so into basketball when i was like almost a teenager too and it was it was good 90s basketball
3: It -hmm. it
2: was an incredible piece of nostalgia but also of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. I think that the way that they told the drama of it, like I was, uh, you know, as you know, Dave, I'm a big baseball card collector but at the time, at the time I was also collecting um, basketball cards starting in 1986 and I remember following the Chicago Bulls, it was just like expected, Jordan's going to win the championship. And I guess as a kid, I didn't understand the drama of each season as much Mm -hmm. as the way that they told it in that show. Um, and it really was like, if he was not injured, if the team was right, if everything was okay, he was going to win the championship. Like they were going to win the championship. And, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know my kids who have never seen an NBA game in person. They don't know jack shit about basketball. <laughs> they they really got into the drama of it, and like we watched it. That's a long season. It's like ten episodes. I'm saying at yeah, least. Yeah, so um, eight or ten, yeah. I mean, we, we watched it all like night after night after night, and got into it. And mm-hmm. so I would say, like, even if you think you're not into it, like, again. I love Infinite Jest. I'm not a big tennis person, right? Like, I I don't know all the rules of tennis. I never played tennis. (laughs) Um, But I appreciate it. I think people would appreciate The Last Dance. Jordan, Pippin, Rodman. You know, you get Tony Kukoc in there. You get Phil Jackson. (laughs) Um, Who is the the general manager guy, the little short guy?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, Jerry something.
2: Yeah, Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. You get that guy. Last so how, um,
1: how do you build drama if you know the Bulls are going to win every year and that the best player is going to be the best player every year?
2: But they don't a win a great every question. Year, but they don't That's win every year. a great question. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Um, it's up in the air, right? It's a question. They go back to his like college days and him being drafted, and the Bulls were absolute garbage in the early 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> um, And it sort of just assumes you know nothing, which a lot of, like I say, my kids, they know Mm -hmm. nothing about this. And, like, if
0: you don't have the Wikipedia page open of, like, the 90s Bulls and you don't remember, like, what exact years they won the championship in, like, you're probably going to enjoy this without, you know, relatively spoiler-free.
2: Well, they didn't win six or seven in a row. There was a break, right? Like, they won three in a row. There was a break. They won three in a Mm -hmm. row. Yeah, Um, something like that. But they played some of... I mean, they played the best of the best, right? Like, in the early stage, they played Larry Bird. Later on, they played... uh, Magic Johnson. um, Shaq, you know I mean? Shaq.
0: Penny Hardaway. It it
2: was incredible. Like, just the access that those people got, the filmmakers got to that footage. Um, And I love the later interviews where Jordan is sitting there with, like, a huge glass of scotch and a...
3: Of tequila. A cigar,
2: like... It's great footage, man. It's like yeah. great, absolute great tape they got. And they're just
0: like handing him an iPad and they're like, "Check out um, what this what? guy said about you." <laughs> and so he watches it for the first time. He just and laughs and he's exactly. like, "I say a Thomas, fuck you, man. Like that's not what happened. Like it's really funny." I totally so forgot. Is, I like even some off that. the cuff reaction yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's good. Um, Chris, a show that I think would appeal to you if you haven't seen it is Dark on Netflix, the German sci-fi drama have you that, seen this no i
1: haven't that's on my list of things to check out this year too
0: yeah i watched that this year during lockdown and it was great Did it finish really is it
1: over is it still going on
0: i think it is i think it is i think there's like there maybe is going to be a season four down the line but i think it's mostly wrapped okay it ends pretty cleanly so
2: is that the one that starts out at a nuclear power plant
0: yes um yeah. i did the, the image is like a cave Mouth and like a boy in a yellow jacket walking in.
2: Yeah, I did watch uh, the first season of this show, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I just found it very weird and depressing and sad. That sounds yeah, like it's right up things, my alley.
0: But it's also it's also got a lot of like mind fuckery, time <laughs> yeah, travel, it is sci-fi a mind stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if you're into that kind of, I stuff. I thought it was anyway. Norwegian.
2: Is it German? Is it's it? German. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Small town
2: in Germany. Whatever. Yeah, it's fine.
0: Um, did anyone watch the adaptation of Normal People? See the Sally Rooney. I novel. didn't no. watch that. Yeah, I watched it, but I haven't read the book yet. Okay, but I thought the show was great.
2: You know what? The book and the movie. I actually like the show better than the book. Uh, the book for me is just all right for me. Dog, no. like. Um,
0: but the the show was better.
2: You know, I could visualize it. Or better. just same. Yeah, I actually, okay. No, I actually did like the characters. I thought the actors were phenomenal. I mean, the two, yeah, really good the two main yeah. characters especially were great. Um, mm-hmm. I did like that show a lot. I, was it on Hulu? I forget. It was, I think it was on Hulu. I don't know. I, don't I think, know. think I, I think watched it, was it on like, a New Zealand
0: yeah. platform. So
2: I enjoyed it. I mean, if you like Irish, like horny teenagers, you'll love it.
0: <laughs> That's one of the things, right? Like it, it feels kind of weird and voyeuristic to be like, especially as a high school teacher, and it's about like teenagers exploring their sexuality. And you're like, "Uh, I don't know if I'd like want to see that man. You know, it's like, it's a bit, you know, weird.
2: I didn't write it. She wrote it, whatever. It's fine. But, um, and
0: you know, the actors are in their twenties, so it's not
2: as gross as it otherwise could be. I didn't Wikipedia them, but I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Well, the guy
0: who played the main uh, male protagonist is, Allegedly dating Phoebe Bridgers right now. Oh, there okay. Who good. we're going to talk about with Grace? I, I do uh, like Phoebe soon. Bridgers a lot, so she's great. me too. Yeah, me too. We to talk at length we, about that. We haven't since. talked about three yeah, of us right?
1: together, but there's a consensus here. I bought three albums this year. That was it. Phoebe Bridgers was <laughs> one <laughs> of them.
0: Wow. Oh, nice. Sold. Excellent. Sold. Um, Chris, any final thoughts on TV and film this year? Anything we haven't mentioned that you wanted to get to? I,
1: two more films, I think that I think people should check out. Um one is Great. the nest um it's directed by sean durkin he did martha marcy May marlene about a woman leaving a, a, a cult that was his first film yeah that was a good film i so like that his follow-up mm-hmm. film which is like eight or nine years later it's um it stars carrie coon and jude law and they move from the united states back to the uk for his job and it's just kind of this adult drama that doesn't get made anymore it's just like adults having adult problems for two hours and like, like a lot of movies in the eighties were kinda of like this, things with like William Hurt in them, you know. But this is um this movies like kind of that. rip your heart out. Um but it's also it's just very hmm. good, very honest. Um it's kinda of about like what what life can do to you when you're just trying to succeed. Like you're trying too hard, you know. Um
0: hmm. very it's very Story of my life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's your biggest flaw, Dave. You just try too hard. <laughs> i really do
1: <laughs> uh and my other one is kajillionaire from miranda july i absolutely love her if you're not familiar uh, she's a, a performance artist writer filmmaker artist she does everything and it's just a film
0: about she did you and me and everyone we know right? yeah i
1: love that movie yeah and, yeah, and the film cool. called the future um a few years ago uh, but this one is just about like a family of grifters and the the main character, played by Evan Rachel Wood, is growing up in this family, and they all they do is just run scams. That's how they get along. And it's such mm-hmm. a dysfunctional family, and it's about her kind of growing out of this. It's a weird comedy. When um, mm-hmm. I, mean, I was when I was done watching this with my wife, I just turned to her and said, "No one else would have made this movie. This is just absolutely a Miranda mm-hmm. July movie." And if you know her work, you kind of right. you kind of know what that means.
0: Yeah, she's got a very distinct aesthetic. Yeah. Sensibility, hey huh? Yeah. Cool. I actually saw like a screenshot of this around somewhere on the internet this week, and I didn't say what movie it was from. And I was like, it was a picture of Evan Rachel Wood in the grocery store. And I was like, I feel like I've seen this, but I don't think I have. But it's something like that I would watch. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, definitely recommend just it. Just telegraphed that to me.
1: It's, it's just such a weird year because the, the big tentpole movies didn't come out. And mostly the things that hit the, the home mm-hmm. screens were... small indie films and that's kind of you know what i like anyway i still go see a lot of those yeah so i i mean i thought it was a pretty good year for films i have a longer list but i'm not going to get into much more but i i still think it was a good year for cinema despite not being able to see i think i you know
0: yeah only saw a few as someone who like really loves the cinematic experience of going to the movies and yeah and like sitting in the theater in the dark with other strangers for two hours like you're still satisfied
1: uh, well for every, as a home viewer yes. yeah, but the weird the weirdest experience <laughs> yeah. this year was actually going to see tenant in the theaters because I lived in Arizona and that's one of the few places that didn't have many lockdown rules and so I picked a day um... where there were only like four other people in the theater built for like 200 people and so it was almost a private mm-hmm. screening. I mean it's taken a little bit of a risk, but I felt like it was less risky than going to see or going to the grocery store. You encounter far fewer people right. so it's really strange sure. to watch a movie like that. Um, with no audience where it's you're almost the only people and there's not literally it's so loud because there's not enough human bodies in the audience to like soak up the sound to absorb the sound yeah it's so weird but again this movie that's weird I I felt like I had to see it but also it's not that great it's a it's a sort of Christopher Nolan is ventured into self-parody territory and doesn't realize it it's just kind of lacking heart it's like a math equation Okay. technical exercise it's kind of interesting I think it kind of balances the equation so it kind of works out but I just don't care mm-hmm. but I, right. I I, people will get to see that pretty soon I think that's going to be dropped for the streaming pretty soon but oh, yeah. if it's this kind of movie you kind of feel like you have to see in the theater and it was such a disappointing experience to take a little bit of a risk and then still you know not see a very good movie <laughs> yeah
0: and uh that's a pretty good summation of 2020 i think uh (laughs) existentially speaking (laughs) as well as filmically well chris Ayers, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about uh what you watched on the screens this year we really appreciate hearing from you and uh, i look forward to doing some of this in person with you real soon all right hopefully if (laughs) the year goes well Uh, let's say about four or five months Uh, on the on the optimistic yeah point that sounds about right All right.
1: Thanks. thanks
2: for talking, Chris. Good to see you, man. All
0: right.
1: You too, man. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Dave. It's super windy here, and I think that my neighbor's uh, like trash bin just blew over, and it sounded like a fucking trash truck crashed into my house. And so I had to go investigate, but I think it's just the wind. If there's another weird noise, I'm, I might be dead. No, I'm ready. Whenever you guys are, we'll still sink it, but I'm just nine minutes in. We'll just trim all of this. This is just all bullshit.